Welcome to the Fixed Medical Group Podcast. My name is Dr. Sam Wag, and I am joined by Chelsea St. Jacques. She is the head of our strength and rehab department. And today, we're going to be talking about some myths associated with fitness. Chelsea's going to drop some knowledge bombs. I'm going to guide us. We're going to have a good time, get you some information that you can use today. So, listen up, and let's have some fun. Chelsea, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. You're so welcome. Um, The first question I want to ask you today is how often should you work out? Well, that's a great question. Um, One, it depends on your goals. But for your everyday average person that works a nine to five, you really shouldn't be working out more than five days a week. On average, you should be working out at least three days a week, but up to five. Anything more than that, you're not allowing your body to recover. That being said, Three to the five days, you shouldn't be working out for over an hour. That's just too long. You need to have time to recover. You need to have time to stretch. You need to have time to fuel your body. And for a lot of people that are working these nine to fives that have kids and have extracurriculars and like to go out on the weekend, spending too much time in the gym is not the best thing. So... With that being said, and since we're talking about myths, do you feel like whether it's the fitness industry or when we see like athletes that are in incredible shape and we see their workouts, do you feel like that creates a false, um, kind of a false sense of what's needed to be healthy? Yes, 100%. That is what they're getting paid to do. So they're spending eight hours a day doing that. But honestly, they're not spending eight hours a day training. Most of that time, they might spend an hour in the gym doing whatever they're doing, whether it's a soccer player, a basketball player, whatever that is. And then the rest of that time, they're spending recovering from that, whether it's getting massages, stretching, acupuncture, whatever it is. They're not spending that whole time working out. And if you did that, you're just going to deteriorate your muscles even more and then be in this inflamed state, which your body does not perform well in. We don't need all that inflammation. And that's what a lot of people don't realize is when you're working out, you're creating inflammation. You're breaking these tissues, which is creating lactic acid into your body. It's creating more blood flow into your body, which is a good thing, but too much of a good thing, as we know, is not a good thing. (laughs) Totally. Um, So with that being said, it's like, it's good for people to remember that that workout it's really nothing more than a stimulus, mm-hmm. right? So if we stimulate something, we need to do like allow the time for the recovery or for the uh, reward of the stimulus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that, um, you know, too often we see just the stimulus, mm-hmm. right? As we were talking about before the podcast, if you go on social media or even on TV, you'll see a lot of like, you got to do this, try this exercise. Here's my circuit, all that stuff. And we don't often see the back end or how often do you do that or how consistent do you do that? The key thing with exercise is consistency. You will not get fit in 30 days. I don't care who you are. You might lose a few weight, but you're not going to, you're not going to gain anything by all of a sudden picking up a program for 30 days and then falling off. It's not how we gain muscle. It's all about consistency. And if you're being consistent with it, that's where you're going to see the most results. Uh, one thing we share with clients sometimes to kind of give a better perception of that, what is consistency? Why does that matter? Is ultimately when we're putting on muscle, that's metabolically expensive. Mm-hmm. 
it's cost worthy for our body. And we need to show um, like a positive cash flow that it's worth maintaining that muscle, that we're consistently doing the right stimulus, but also feeding that recovery so that your body will put that on and maintain it. And Chelsea's not saying that you can't drop some weight in 30 days or get a little stronger, but to make that steadfast or to make that a, a, a permanent gain, we really have to build that consistency. Mm-hmm. So that kind of leads me into my next question. Um, we said maybe five days at a max and about three days for everybody. So what if we're really limited on time? Say that someone on those, we'll say five days, but they only have 10 to 15 minutes to work out. Do you feel like someone could be effective in that time and could see changes over time with that? 100%. You don't have to go to the gym five days a week and spend an hour in the gym to see results. You There's so many different types of workout. HIIT training is one of the best forms that we can do because you get really fast results in a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. But it's, again, about being consistent. If we're not consistent with that, it's not going to be effective. But in 15 minutes, we need to just spike that heart rate up and get it into that consistent range to get into that muscle burning or muscle gaining fat burning phase. Right. Um, One thing I want to add on HIT because um, we, we talk about this a lot. It is one of the most effective if you have a small amount of time. But just like Chelsea said in the beginning, if you do HIT five days a week, it's going to start to be counterproductive. Because ultimately, and HIT for anyone that doesn't know, it stands for high intensity interval training. So we can do that in a short time. But why that's so effective is when our body's going all out for a short period, having a little break, all out for a short period, we're really harnessing our hormones in a good way. It's putting us in that sympathetic or fight or flight response. We're utilizing some adrenaline. So you're actually accessing maybe a little more strength than you have typically. After that workout, your body is going to relax because now we've like worked out. So neurologically, you feel that we've evaded the threat or whatever it is, we're safe now. But if you do that every single day, you're going to consistently be triggering that sympathetic response. And now you have high cortisol most of your days. You're not burning fat. You're staying in that fight or flight rather than shifting back. So just so people... I want to be clear on that, that you could be effective in your 10 to 15 minutes. But again, if we start like, you know, more is not always better. We want the stimulus, but we need to have the back end to recover from that stimulus and put ourselves in a good spot. And honestly, it's a great way to break up your day. I mean, if you're having a stressful day, you're feeling down. A lot of people go for that coffee break in the middle of the day or Mm -hmm. Celsius that I know some people do. (laughs) I don't. (laughs) (laughs) That Celsius in the middle of the day, doing a HIIT workout will give you the same amount of energy and it'll actually be real energy versus what caffeine does is just block those receptors in your brain and make you think you're not tired. Right. But this is going to help level out those hormones, give you that spike of energy and make you feel really good to finish off the rest of your day. And that's a really good point about exercise. And I know it might sound counterintuitive to people like, well, if I'm tired, how can I work out and get more energy? Well, again, we need to convince our body of something. So when we work out, our cells in our body become more efficient at producing energy. And as you said, when we have caffeine, it really just provides us with alertness or the blocking of being tired as opposed to truly having energy. Mm -hmm. When we take clients through our restart program, a lot of people, when we wean them off caffeine, they are really dragging and we're quick to let them know, 
that's a really big sign that your body was not efficiently producing energy. So we need to detox you so your cells can do that more efficiently, but we also need to work on that fuel that you're getting Mm -hmm. so it can be used. A lot of the times people will ask me like, well, what pre-workout do you take? And I always tell them I don't take any. I was like, I don't take any pre-workout because again, if you don't give it to your body, your body doesn't think it needs it and it'll produce that energy on its own. Just like you're saying, I don't drink caffeine anymore ever since doing the restart. My body doesn't feel like it needs it. And that's something that I highly recommend everybody (laughs) give a try, but it is a very hard process, but my body is so much better for it. And uh, as just a sidebar, as people try to go through that process, it doesn't mean um, most people, we're, we're more about the ritual. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had a lot of people go through the program and they're like, you know what I've, I've come to find out is I, I just enjoy the walk with my dog to the coffee shop. It's not that I need the coffee. Um, you know, they're coming home and it's sitting there, not drank. But you can replace these things with other habits, switching it to a decaf, switching it to a tea, so we can start to wean yourself off caffeine. Not to totally redirect the conversation. So um, with the HIT training, if we're working out in that three to five days, what would you recommend? How much of that, say it's a five days, how many times are you doing HIT? How many times should we be maybe outside of the gym doing an activity? Give people an idea of maybe what five days looks like if you have a shorter amount of time to work out. I would definitely recommend three days a week of HIT training. And then the other two days you can totally take into account, like maybe doing a short walk around the block, doing um, a few low intensity exercises just to help maintain, but you don't need to be doing anything super intense. And I know on the weekends, a lot of people have more time and energy. That's an easy day to go for a hike, an easy day to go to the beach, go do something that you enjoy doing that maybe be a little bit more physically active, but really you only need three days of HIIT training a week. So kind of reading between the lines, we want to be You could do HIIT training or we'll call it like resistance training, doing Mm -hmm. something in the gym, maybe three days, but being active each day. Yes. Correct. Movement is medicine and we need that to be healthy. If we're not moving, that's what's going to create all these other problems in our body. We're being stagnant. Our joints are going to lock up. Our muscles are going to tighten up. We're going to have aches and pains. We're not going to sleep well. So just by getting up and moving, even if it's a simple walk around the block, getting on your foam roller because you don't have any time, like anything that can move blood around, even if it's so minor, does so much for our body that people don't realize. Totally. And not only um, what it's doing on that side, but the hormones it's stimulating, Mm -hmm. um, it kind of becomes a vicious cycle. If you're not working out and using your body and you go to bed, ultimately your battery is fully charged. Mm -hmm. If you had a mentally stressful day, but not a physically tiring day. So even the short amount of time, it's really effective for other things because... I mean, sleep is a huge problem, a huge problem for a lot of people. And there's no better medicine than tiring yourself out in the end of the day and your body just naturally is like, I need to recover and go to sleep. Right. Um, So we don't have to take any of those other, I want to say, medications that Mm -hmm. are out there. Products, yeah. Products. um, that's going to be one of the best ways to help us fall asleep is like you were saying, not just the mental, but also the physical. Um, how much, so talking about fitness and how it changes us, how much of uh, our fitness or our physique or how we look, do you feel like is made up from time we spend in the gym versus time we spend in the kitchen? The rule of thumb is always 80, 80, 20. So 80% is made in the kitchen and 20% is made in the gym. 
And that is one of the biggest things that people are like, oh, I want that six pack. I'm going to do abs every day and it's just going to get shredded. And like, that's not how you get abs. Like everybody say abs are made in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's the truest thing. Like if you're trying to gain muscle and you're on a calorie deficit or you're not eating enough, you're not going to be able to gain muscle because your body, again, is not going to think that it needs that. It's not um, efficient enough for the body because it's, taking too much energy. Right. So we have to feed muscle. We need to starve the fat. And that's basically kind of what it goes into. And I'm not saying don't eat fat. We <laughs> um, need to convince your body to utilize it as well mm-hmm. um, and burn that as a fuel source. And as we said before, if you're never in that uh, rest and digest, mm-hmm. and when you are sitting at your desk or maybe um, your job is a little more sedentary, you should be burning fat then. Yes. But if you're always in that stress state, um, and there's ways us to mitigate some of the mental stress, but if you're creating a physical internal stress because you do hit every single day, then you're not ever really burning that fat. Mm-hmm. And we also see people go on very low fat to no fat diets and feeling like, you know, fat is the criminal. And if we get rid of it, we're going to look great. But at the end of the day, your body needs fat for a lot of the things that it does and we're made of it. So if you're not giving it to your body, you're not convincing it to burn what it has. You're convincing it to hold on for dear life to what it has because we need it. It's thinking your body thinks that it's never going to get it again Mm -hmm. when you're starving it. And so that's why it holds on as like a reserve. So those that stubborn belly fat is just never going to go away. So you have to understand basically is like how many calories you need in a day, how much fat, how many, how much protein, how much carbs, to sustain what you have to lose or to gain. And that's super, super important. And people, it doesn't take that long to understand that. Um, doing a few, I would say, just a little bit of research, hiring a professional, and then you'll have that for life. Yeah. And that's if that's your goal, I mean, I feel like it's everybody's goal is to look good in the mirror, right? Totally. Um, Ultimately, to I feel for most people, what's realistic, I want to look the best I can while maintaining what I would consider like a normalized diet. Mm-hmm. It's not like you're looking at your watch and you're like, oh, shit, time for my shake. Oh, man, I'm missing this. And like you have to work extra hard to get in that those calories. And Chelsea's not saying that you need to count your calories, count your macros every single day of your life, but take the time to figure out kind of where you need to be so you have a guide. Mm-hmm. And then start to pay attention to the things that we're putting in. And for most people, we eat semi-consistently throughout the week. It's not like every single day of your life throughout the month, you're going on some food tour. It's like there's some consistent things people have for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So do the math a couple times and figure out, hey, when my plate has XYZ on it, I know I'm good. I know if I do this for lunch, I'm good. Plus dinner, it's like that fits. And then figure out the couple different combinations that, that work for you. And then the guesswork is out of there and you're just kind of on this rinse and repeat with some variety of foods, right? Exactly. If fitness is your goal and you're trying to gain something out of it, where most people, again, are just trying to look good naked, then you need to take the time to do the 80%, which is the nutrition part, because that is the main goal that's going to get you to where you want to be. That 20%, you can, again, it's fitness related. But the 80% is where you're going to see a lot of the gains. I think, um, you know, I, I say this a lot, that we live in an instant gratification culture. Mm-hmm. We want to see results fast, right? That's part of why a lot of the fitness things sell really quick. Take this supplement, do this exercise. And people are looking for that new next thing that's going to, boom, give you the results. But 
we forget in that instant gratification mindset that every single thing we put in our mouth gets broken down. And ultimately, we are what we eat. What we're putting in gets broken down and becomes what our body uses to build us. So we can't just out effort poor materials. If you're saying you want a mansion, but the materials are getting dropped off are second rate things drop. And you're like, Oh my gosh, I wanted these marble countertops. It's like, that's not what you've been eating. I said you could <laughs> in plywood. Right. Exactly. And particle board. <laughs> so we have to keep that in mind. And I think when somebody, you kind of use that frame of mind when you're eating is not, I want to eat this cause it tastes good, but I want to eat this cause I want to be built of it. And treat your body like a machine. You know, if you were a sports car and we went to the gas station and I told you these are all the same prices, you wouldn't choose the one that was only 70% and 30% bad. You would do that 100% fuel because you wouldn't treat your machine that way. Mm -hmm. But with our body, the other side of the instant gratification is when you eat that bad food, you don't instantly physically look different. But over time, just like you said, consistency is king when it comes to the workout. Mm -hmm. Well, that inconsistent or consistent bad eating is going to really show up too. It's going to turn on that check engine light real quick. <laughs> yes, for sure. And then we're going to keep adding lights. Um, when it comes to exercises, and I think this ties into, um, you know, maybe what we see online, social media, whatever, and you're trying to like, oh man, that move looks great because I'm trying to build my glutes too. How do we figure out um, or kind of sort through that noise of, is this exercise good for me? And is it specific to me? A lot of the times with social media is you'll see someone and I, I am going to call them like a fitness influencer where they're just posting a bunch of exercises or their workouts on Instagram. They're like, I did this hit workout today and you can do it too. And they list it in the comments. Mm -hmm. That's what their goal is. That's what they're doing. And a lot of people like the way they look and want to copy that. But it's, you don't know anything else outside of that post. You don't know what they're eating. You don't know if they've taken steroids. You don't know if they did liposuction. You don't know anything else about that person other than those exercises that they posted. And you don't even know if they're doing other things outside of that. This is just one part or piece that they put on. So how do you determine if that's something that's good for me or not is a good question because Ideally, you need to look at it as what is your goal and then look at what they're providing. So on our Instagram, for instance, we always like are, do you have back pain? These four exercises can really help with that. And if it's not subsiding your back pain, you should really come and talk to a professional. And if they're not saying something like that, like you should come talk to a professional about this or come get assessed or looked at or something in that demeanor, they're probably just doing it because they're getting followers, they're getting sponsors, they're getting paid, um, which is great, but there's, that's not always what you need. Like right. it's not conducive to if you have injuries or if you have other problems outside of that, you want a professional to be assessing you and giving you the goals that you want and need. Yeah. So it's not the, the fault of the influencer or the person no. or simply saying, don't kind of look at that information just in a vacuum mm -hmm. and forget what Chelsea said that we don't know what they ate. We don't know um, what they've done in the past. It could do body contouring all the time. Mm -hmm. And like, we just, 
don't always know what got them that goal. Of course, some people are really transparent where maybe you watch an entire body transformation. They shared every single thing. That's mm-hmm. great. But I would say that's more few and far between. And it, uh, it does make it difficult for people to kind of sift through. But a lot of those people that even post their transformation, they hired a professional for the most part and are doing these workouts to get them to their goal. And it's a fitness journey that they're that they're showing. Right. It's not nece- that's not cookie cutter like this same program isn't necessarily for you. Right. Right. You should do your own homework and figure that out by going to a professional as well so that they can assess you and do the goals that you want to get you where you want to go. It's kind of like, um, you know, when movies come out and they'll have that whatever actor, actress on the cover of a magazine and it's like, get ripped, like, you know, insert the name. And I've read some of those articles before and it'll be maybe one sentence, one paragraph about some of the nutrition but that was like the biggest part of what happened. And, uh-huh. you know, they've hardly mentioned that they did have a private chef. They had someone, you know, perfectly curated this workout program for them. They spent all the rest of the time recovering X, Y, Z. And we're just looking at some volume workout. Mm-hmm. We're just looking at the movement and what they did. And the other problem with that is, is understanding your intention of those movements. So you can do a squat and have it be quad dominant. I can do a squat and have it be glute dominant, but how do you differentiate between those two moves when it's literally looks exactly the same? It's the intention of the exercise. What are you trying to accomplish by doing that movement? And if you're just trying to copy something that you see on Instagram without understanding what their intention is, you could be doing it totally wrong. And squats a great example because you can look at someone and you can mimic it, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean like, you know, five, 10 people could all do a squat. And then you say, where are you feeling it? And it's going to be a lot of different stuff. Some people are going to say, I feel pain. Some people are going to say, this is working my glutes, my quads. I feel it on my hamstring. Oh, my ankles hurt. It's going to be a lot of different things. Exactly. So a movement that looks pretty similar may not be performed the same. Exactly. Um, is there any other big like myths or misconceptions that you see with fitness, like as a whole that limit people or kind of roadblock them from reaching their goals? One of the biggest ones I hear a lot is, you know, lifting will make you bulky. And uh, as a female who likes to lift, I hear that one a lot is people don't like to pick up weights because they're afraid it's going to make them bulky. Um, Most of the time it's women. um, But again, I'm not going to discriminate here. Mm -hmm. Um, But that is one of the biggest myths I hear a lot is you need to lift weights to get muscle gains. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that doing HIIT workouts, like you can't pick up five pounds, but if you're just constantly doing body weight, you're going to stay what we say lean and mean. But if we want to burn that fat while we're in a sedentary state, like when we're sitting at a desk and we want to burn that fat, we need to put on the muscle to do that. And you don't have to be a bodybuilder or do bodybuilder lifting to get muscle gains. Right. You can pick up the 5, 10, 15 pounds, gain that muscle, and consistently stay there without having to lift super heavy all the time like the bodybuilders do. And um, I think that's a misconception in itself that you you really have to be on like a war path to gain a lot of muscle. Mm -hmm. Like if you want to be really bulky, you do have to be really consistent with that. And uh, 
definitely know your macros and where you want to be so that you're overeating in a very consistent way. So for the average person, if you're just a bit over those calorie intakes and you're getting good strength workouts in, you're going to see good gains, but you are not going to wake up and be (laughs) She-Hulk. I totally agree with that. And that is one thing I can't stress enough is don't be afraid to pick up weights. And I know a lot of women are like, oh, it's very intimidating. And that's where, again, hiring a professional where they can get you that confidence that you know what you're doing. So when you step into a weight room or pick up a dumbbell, a barbell, whatever it is, you have the confidence and know exactly what you're doing and what your goal is when you pick up that weight. Exactly. And, you know, our mission or our purpose is really to empower people. It's not to say that every single time you work out, you need that professional. It's to make a knowledge transfer so that you feel comfortable in the gym. You know, a handful of exercises that target each area so that we can start to specifically define either problem areas or strengthening. Um, and ultimately, uh, the other part, when we work with clients on a structural standpoint, everyone thinks just a tight muscle or a painful muscle, a sore muscle, you just got to work on it. You got to release it. Well, there's another side of that equation and it's strengthening because if something is sore all the time, it's probably counteracting something else. It's covering up a weakness or a deficiency. So when we can make our body strong, that gets rid of more pain than just getting worked. You're not trying to turn every human into Gumby. Mm -hmm. Muscle is what holds our bone structure together. It's what helps us stand up in the morning. It actually helps us lay down as well. So we don't turn into a pile of mush, Mm -hmm. right? So if our muscles aren't strong enough to hold up our bone structure, just in an everyday life, that's what leads to aches and pains, right? We don't want to be picking up our kids constantly in the same way and we don't strengthen our arms at all. That's going to lead to a lot of imbalances, which is going to then create a lot of pain. So strengthening, just an overall strengthening full body, and that goes back to our three to five days a week, mm-hmm. is going to structurally and functionally make you a better human. Totally. Um, as we kind of wrap up here, what is, um, what would you say is one thing that you would want everyone to know about fitness to just like clarify, get rid of some of the noise. We went over a lot of them today, but if you could leave people with kind of one like last sentiment, what would you, uh, would you say? Consistency, consistency, consistency. Movement is medicine. And if you make movement consistent, that is going to be the best medicine of all. You heard it here first. Maybe not, but (laughs) movements, medicine, be consistent and also work out for your mind. So we're not in that negative cycle. Just like we talked about, it's going to be hard to get good sleep and really uh, to recover. So don't focus on just the stimulus. Uh, Thank you so much, Chelsea, for being on the show today. We look forward to learning more and more about how we can change our body and uh, work out efficiently and correctly. Thank you, Sam. So welcome. We will see everyone next time on the Fixed Medical Group podcast. Thank you for tuning in and share this with someone else that needs to hear this information. Have a great day.